Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Zero to 10 podcast, where we focus on helping B2B businesses grow from zero to 10 million. This is the show for CEOs, startup founders, business owners, and folks thinking about starting a business. Podcast is the intersection of strategy, tactics, trends, and even a little inspiration. But it's all focused on the zero to 10 growth journey. And by the way, we just found out we are now a top 5% international podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for all the support. And this episode, you know, we're talking websites. So have you invested a lot in your website, but it's still not driving enough traffic and leads? Have you not invested in your website? I've seen a lot of small businesses versus maybe startups, and the websites are not very functional. So either way, this is the episode for you. Today, I have Sean Rosenstiel, digital marketing guru, but he really focuses on building very high-performing I want to say low cost but value websites. And he helps you cut through the crap of what works, what doesn't work, and what you should be thinking about with, with not only your digital, your website, but some of your social and your pay traffic. We get into SEO, we get into a little bit about paid. So basically all things digital, which as you have probably found out in your own business, that this is the core of basically all B2B right now is the digital aspect. You can't replace the human conversation. But unless you have a good digital foundation, you're going to have a hard time scaling your business. So anyway, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I took a number of notes. We got into the conversation about WordPress versus Squarespace and a couple of other websites. So I think it's the key to always be learning. But again, what I appreciate about Sean and his approach is it's really cutting through the clutter and saying, hey, this is how you can build a strong and growing website. So anyway, take a listen, enjoy. You also make sure you check out the show notes and everything else that we talked about with Sean. We'll share links and everything on the website. And if you do listen to this podcast, which you're listening right now, I would really, really appreciate it if you would follow on iTunes. I guess that's subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify. It'll really help us to continue to grow and reach new audiences. So Appreciate it, but now let's get on to the interview. Hey, good morning, Sean. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. Good to be here with you. Uh, it's great. I've been looking forward to this conversation, you know, over. 120 episodes now, which is hard to believe. We haven't spent a ton of time on the, the digital aspect of the business. I've had some inbound marketing. I've had some folks talking about branding, which are all important, but not really the fundamental of the website and you know why I think that's the backbone of the company. But before we dig into our conversation, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about your background and what you're working on today, and then we'll we'll dig in. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. So my wife and I actually founded Savvy Pro Web, uh, which is a boutique company that uh, builds hassle-free websites for business owners as well as entrepreneurs. And it's been quite a journey, as you can imagine, over the past uh, decade or more with so much change and evolution in the digital space. We sort of look at it like, uh, you know, WWW for us stands for Wild Wild West. Right? Yeah, 100%. There's really no hard and fast rules. And uh, just like every business is a snowflake, we look at every digital marketing strategy as a snowflake because, you know, there's so many different types of businesses out there and so many different strategies that you could deploy. It really depends on what makes the most sense for the business itself. Right. So it's been a really fun journey. It's very challenging. We typically recommend looking at marketing like trial and error. I mean, that, that's how we look at it is like, you don't know what you don't know until you try something. So we always say it's very important to have a very limited budget. You know, when you're going into, we, we call it the digital casino. You know, it at times feels like all the agencies and vendors and freelancers and advertising companies are like, you know, dealers behind the table. You know, before walking in, you better have a game plan. You better set, you know, your your budget as far as how much money can we afford to lose here should this strategy not work. And you really need that unbiased guide to help you navigate the territory, so to speak. And uh, you know, for one business, it might be blackjack that makes the most sense. For the next business, it might be 
you know, roulette for the next business. It might be crabs. I mean, all, all businesses and strategies are different. You really need to figure out which one makes the most sense for you as a company based on your history. You know, we're believers in success leaves clues. There's a lot of businesses that we talk with and we decide together that, you know, digital is not the right play here. You know, at times digital doesn't make the most sense for a lot of businesses. Right. Um, so it just really all depends on what your objectives are, what has worked for you in the past, and you know how can we kind of bridge that gap and create a strategy that makes sense. Yeah, I think it, it's still. I mean, no digital is no longer right optional. Right, it's the cost of doing business. The pandemic kind of helped slam the door on any of that other. A few of not to your point, online, offline. There's still going to be very important what that mix is for your business, but. You know, the way I, I kind of look at it is, you know, when you have sales and, you know, go to market with your sales, it's really one-to-one, right? A sales rep, they're, they're head-to-hand hand combat, if you like that, that, those analogies. But, you know, are they really bringing new business on a one-to-one ratio? But for the opportunity for many small business, all businesses, but mostly small business to scale is, you know, how do you get the, the one-to-many, right? If you can crack the code to one-to-many, then you can get some really good momentum in your business. And I just see, and I would love your perspective that one, you don't have to spend a million dollars on a website, but you do need to have a website, right? <laughs> At this day and age, you have to, because people are searching for you. So I'm, I'm long-winded build up to this. This question is, I think there's there's always been a lot of noise, right? I, do I have to spend $50,000 on my website or do I just need a social media platform and maybe help demystify it for some of our small business owners or startup owners of, you know, what is a good foundational backbone or footprint to, to kind of start that journey? Yeah, boy. So it's, it's a great question. My, my dad growing up always taught me that complexity was the enemy of success. He just drilled that into my brain. And I think it's very easy for us, especially as entrepreneurs, those of us listening who are like true visionaries, they've got 100 ideas a minute. 99 aren't so good. It's that one that'll take you to the moon, right? Right, right. But I think we can get carried away with like what we want our digital presence to accomplish for us. And without getting into too much tech talk here, because I think that 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 from from what I've heard from our clients, it's like one of those unique things that we can bring is we bridge the gap. You know, there are these tech companies who are all immersed in their world of technology and they talk about all these acronyms and code words that business owners and entrepreneurs don't understand. Frankly, I don't understand half it either. <laughs> I don't need to. Right. I'm, I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. And, you know, these business owners and entrepreneurs, they talk about their business. They talk about their goals. They talk about their struggles. And it's typically the same 23, 23, 23, 24 struggles. You know, all businesses kind of struggle with the same growth issues and obstacles and all these things. And, and they, they hit ceilings on multiple levels. And oftentimes they want their website or their digital presence to assist them with offense in some way. Usually it's like, hey, we want our website. We no longer want an online brochure. That worked for phase one, but phase two, we want this to be a lead generation machine. And then they go out and they talk to these tech companies and these tech companies just frankly overwhelm them with all sorts because they're so they're so close to what they do. And, and a lot of them are so good at what they do. There's this big communication gap yeah. that that's, it seems impossible to bridge at times. I think what was prescribed in the past, like a lot of us are familiar with a platform called WordPress. Yep. And again, I don't want to get into too much, too much tech talk on, on, on this conversation, but WordPress used to be like the go-to platform for, for everybody, not just businesses. I mean, everyone was using it. Back in, I think it was 2013, 2014, I had the privilege of being invited in to write for Forbes.com on their entrepreneurial column. And, and I was laughing because I was logging into a client's website on WordPress and I was logging into Forbes.com with millions of visitors a month and it looked the same. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, something's weird here because my client has like 250 visitors a month. <laughs> right, know? right. Like we're prescribing this radically robust solution, which we, we, we were trained to believe was a great thing. But unfortunately, what, come, what comes with that robustness and all that complexity is a lot of maintenance. And a lot of vulnerability as far as security and getting hacked and 
It requires a lot of patches and updates, and that costs money to maintain over the long run. So a lot of these agencies are charging hundreds of dollars a month to host a small business website that really should be on a $10 a month hosting plan. It doesn't really need all that horsepower under the hood. Right. So we always tell our clients that, hey, you know, WordPress, while all the agencies are prescribing this, it's really a win for them, but it's at the cost of you over time because there are better platforms today, at least in my view, after doing this for so many years, in my view, there are much better platforms available today for the small business owner, for the entrepreneur who is really looking to have a lead generation machine as a website or even an online brochure as a website, they don't need to incur all the costs of WordPress. And we like to keep things simple. Going back to what my dad taught me growing up, it's just, we have a very less is more mentality. Yeah. We have a no tech for tech sake mentality. Oftentimes I find technology actually gets in the way of achieving the outcome that the business owner is looking for. We, we, we talk about WordPress as like this 1978 Mercedes-Benz E-Class diesel that leaks oil all over your garage floor. It's going to need a lot of love and a lot of care, and it's going to cost you a lot of money because you need that specialized mechanic for the next few years. Right. Right. So we always recommend Squarespace. We're big fans of Squarespace. And that for, you know, 10, 12 bucks a month, you get, you know, award-winning design that you can manipulate however you want to fit your brand. You get guaranteed uptime hosting reliability, bank level security, you know, all under one roof, so to speak, at a very affordable cost moving forward. And what's nice is we all know that we hire vendors and fire vendors. You know, sometimes it's like a revolving door because we can't find good help. What's nice about Squarespace is literally any agency or freelancer, even your nephew <laughs> can manage your website once it's built on Squarespace. And it really empowers our clients to take the control back in-house. And we say, hey, if you can edit a Word document, you can edit a Squarespace website. It's very easy to do. And you maintain control, save those costs moving forward in the event you need to do any updates or maintenance to it. It's like driving a brand new Tesla. You know, oil changes are non-existent. Uh, so there are much better technology solutions available today that I don't feel like enough agencies and, and vendors are really talking about because frankly, it's, it, it's not a win for them. They're going to lose a lot of recurring revenue over time if they start talking about these alternative solutions. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think, right, as we were going through the marketing automation craze, right, of which again, we maybe touch on a little bit later, but you know, you got these small businesses that were buying, you know, Marketo, right, and top of the line, and you just didn't need it, right? So we even pull that back to the, the small business, right? I think where and what the, the website does. It's really your, your, your story, right? When you're, you're not around, right? Or it's the first chance anybody has to, to see what you're doing. And I still see, and I'm not an expert, the number of websites that lead with features and benefits, right? And the clutter, and I even know my website needs to be decluttered and simplified because I do have a lot going on, but right, it, it's really trying to answer the question your customers have of how you solve it, right? How do you solve their, their problem? And can they figure that out quickly by looking at your site? And if it doesn't fit, again, way oversimplifying this, but if it's not there, right? The baseline is be able to tell your story. And then, you know, I think your approach is, hey, tell the story first, build it so it's findable, right? So if somebody's looking, they can find it. But then two, kind of optimize it for, for lead generation. And I love that do not overcomplicate it. You really don't, right? It's they're just looking for answers. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, I love what you're saying. So let, let's take the Marketo example, or, or maybe even better yet, let's take the Salesforce. Yeah. Okay. For example, I can't tell you how many clients I have that have invested tens of thousands of dollars in a Salesforce uh, implementation and they don't use it. And I think the misconception about, I don't care if it's a website platform or if it's a Marketo, a marketing automation software or a Salesforce, some sort of a CRM. I think the misconception is that the software itself is going to solve the pain, it's going to solve the problem. And I think what people underestimate is it's not about the software, it's about what you put into it. Yeah. So if you invest in Salesforce without being prepared to put into you know, the CRM all the ingredients that makes it work and makes it valuable and makes you realize that investment, that return on your investment, it's just this big, overwhelming 
software that at some point in time you need to get on or just cancel it. Right. And to your point a minute ago, your website is no different. Your website is an empty shell. And what matters is what you put into it, what you put on that website. And I think so many businesses make this mistake of talking about themselves. So they have a website and it's like, you know, all they do is talk about their business, how great it is, their services. These are the awards we've won. Here are the testimonials we have. Here are all of our accolades. We've been in business since, you know, well, our history starts out in 1973 when our, you know, the forefathers did these things. And, you know, everyone is coming to our websites saying, how can you help me solve my problem? You know, do you, do you, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you understand me? So there's a, there's a really big missing ingredient that I see in 99.9% .9 of the websites that I visit day to day. And that's called empathy. I, I, if I could just boil it down and simplify it, it's empathy. Do you get me? Do you understand my problem? And do you have the competency and the experience to solve it? And we've talked before about the book called Building a Story Brand. Yep. Donald Miller's book. And I would highly recommend that book to anybody listening. If you haven't read it already, positioning and marketing and messaging is so complicated for, for us business owners and us entrepreneurs because we're so close to it. You know, it's like for us to really dial in and refine and nail our marketing message, our elevator pitch, you know, whatever we want to call it, our tagline, it's like trying to read the label of a bottle from inside the bottle. It's so hard. Yeah. Because of our perspective, we're so close. That book changed everything for us, you know, four or five years ago when we first got our hands on it. I have given out over a hundred copies of the book Traction. We've talked about Traction before. I've probably given out, you know, building a story brand is the second most given out book by, by us to friends, to clients, to family. It's such an, a wake up call. And it's so simple to put together a marketing message that works. There's seven points in the framework. And all you have to do is just answer the seven questions and you sit back and it's all on one page and you're like, wow. And it's all in the language of your ideal prospects or your ideal clients. And you're putting them into your story as the hero, as Don Miller says, and you're positioning yourself, the business as the guide along their journey. You're like, the Obi-Wan and your customer is the Luke Skywalker, right? Yep. Um, so it's, it's a brilliant way of just reframing how we can be more effective with our marketing. And what we do is we always start there with our clients. We start with their positioning because for many years, we were building these beautifully elegant websites for our clients and people were coming and going. It was, there was, it was like a leaky bucket. <laughs> there yeah, was a hole in yeah. There. I was like, wow, why can't we get more visitors to book calls with our clients? Why can't we get more visitors to schedule those appointments or, or call their phone number? And it was because we were putting our clients before the visitors. We were putting the client first and we were saying, look at us. You know, we do these things. We've been around for this many years. Uh, we've earned all these certifications and accolades. Well, the visitors sitting on the site, like, who cares? Right. And if you're hearing this for the first time on this podcast, it may ruin your website browsing experience going forward. Because like yeah. the next website you go to, it's going to be all about them. And you're going to be like, Ugh. you know, what about me? You know, I woke up this morning as the hero to win the day for myself. How are you going to plug into my story? Right. Um, and when a visitor comes and you're positioning your business as the hero, they're thinking, wait a minute, something's wrong. And maybe it's even like this unconscious conflict for them but they're like well there can only be one of us heroes in today's story and it's mine right um so so i just think donald donald miller has done such a nice job in that book of conveying the, the 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 biggest problem and how that's costing so many businesses you know some businesses tens of millions of dollars a year when they're making that mistake or if you're so a small business there. even even staying in business right it's not even costing it just if you can't get people to understand i mean I, and I heard from an entrepreneur not too long ago that said, yeah, I can, my product works just about with any industry, right? It's one that's a really good, I don't want to call it generic, but it does translate very well into different industries, different size companies is like, all I need to do is get in front of a client and I can sell it. I'm like, perfect. And that's good if you want to keep going one by one by one by one. But if you want to get that one to many, that, that website and what you're doing digitally is going to have to tell that story for you in order to get more people coming in. So 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and back to the point that we're talking about, I mean, we, we see this all the time where these business owners invest tens of thousands of dollars in these beautifully elegant websites that may win some design awards, but they're missing those key ingredients and they're not affecting the outcome that they wanted, which for us, nine times out of 10 is going to be generate more leads. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame to see that and, and you need to come prepared. You need to have all that message ready and make sure that it, that it resonates. And I think just a quick example of this, and it's, it's simple. It's so easy, Brett. It doesn't have to be insider language and super complex. I mean, a really simple example is when we book an appointment or when an appointment gets booked to, to talk to us through our website, or if I get a referral or whatever else, the first soundbite out of my mouth is, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, I bet you'd rather be getting a root canal than talk to another website company like ours. And all that does, Brett, is it like immediately puts them at ease. They're like, oh, you get where I'm coming from. Oh, you understand that I'm busy. And this is like my 19th priority, very low on my list today. You're going to respect my time. Like, oh, you get who I am. So that story brand framework helps us as business owners to just simply come up and define and clarify some of these little sound bites, some of these little nuggets. And when you introduce some of those little nuggets into your headline and into some of the copy on your website, even introducing some of the imagery, it really has an impact on how effective your website can be. Uh, we're working with someone right now who says the biggest issue is like kicking the can down the road. And this gentleman's like, that's what I always tell the people I'm speaking with. Prospects are like, hey, you can continue kicking the can down the road. And he said, and they always come back and say, yeah, I feel like I've been procrastinating. I've been kicking the can down yeah. the road for years. So what do we do? We put that on the website, you know, stop kicking the can down the road and start, you know, insert the value proposition. And then there's a little illustration of a person kicking the can down the road. So once you clarify some of those little golden nuggets throughout your messaging strategy, there's only seven of them in the story brand framework. Once you define those, all of a sudden you've got a real good guidelines for how you should create your website and, and what headlines and copies should be used. It's, it's really a roadmap and that's how we use it. I mean, we believe in it so much that we've invested in getting certified with them, right? Because we just see it working so well. Yeah. It's so important. I think I've got a copy of it here. Yeah, there it is. With all your sticky notes in it, exactly. I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> that's, that's the only way to read it, man. If you're going to read, you might as well take the time to, to figure out what, what's in there. And Maybe we can go back to a little bit of a tactical because, you know, it's interesting what you said about WordPress, because I think I fell into that trap of, hey, WordPress, because it's all about SEO and, you know, your blog and, and content and WordPress is the best for that. And, you know, shame on me for not testing that or challenging that. So just curious, because again, that and maybe that's what WordPress is messaging is, man, you want to be found. It's, it's all about the content and the blog and, you know, there's nobody better. But my understand based on our conversation so far is there's other ways to do that and still achieve the same goal without the complexity. Because you're right, WordPress, I've got those WordPress sites. I can update text, but if I had to do anything else, I've got to bring in a developer to, developer to help me do that. And sure. To your point on kicking the can down the road, I'm like, man, I know I need to update this. I know I need to update this, but I got to sit down and think about how I want to. So you're 100% spot on. And I fall into that, that same category of, right, it's this first thing people see. So it should be, you know, simple, smooth, tell the story. So I know I kind of wrapped around my, my, my tactical question on SEO, right, and content on WordPress versus others. So maybe share your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two responses come to mind. One I think is at the surface and the other one I think gets to the root of your challenge. So, so on, on the surface, SEO features at this stage are just permission to play. Whether you look at WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, GoDaddy, I mean, yada, 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 all these companies that essentially are doing the same thing. Every company at this stage offers SEO capabilities. They all allow you to edit your titles and your keywords and your descriptions on every page. I mean, honestly, it's permission to play. Like if, if, if a web company didn't offer those, they, they couldn't compete. Okay. 
it's almost like SSLs, right? It's almost like, you know, security these days, like you better have it. So most companies offer that. That is a feature that is just a commodity, frankly, at this point. So you can control your SEO on Squarespace the same way you can control it in WordPress and any of these other sites. There is one, it may be Wix, and this, this could have changed, but, but long ago, Wix was Flash-based. Oh, really? Yeah. And, Even and I that, know that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah, that posed a big problem, obviously, because Flash, I, I believe Flash has been, you know, I think that's obsolete now. Yeah, I think you're but right. But when it wasn't obsolete and when it was still widely being used, these Flash-based websites were one pages. They, they were one page versus 10 pages. And, and your website, I look at the, um, the number of pages, why blogging is such a popular and, and widely recommended strategy. I look at the amount of web pages you have as like fishing lines out the back of the boat. Right. Well, if you go out trolling the ocean, you're going to catch a hell of a lot more fish with 100 lines in the water versus one. And when those flash-based websites were around, I think Wix offered them at one point, they probably don't anymore. But you, know, you had all these pages consolidated into one page and it was, it was detrimental to your SEO. Right. So in my experience, in my perspective, I wouldn't be too concerned about like, is one platform better than the next when it comes to SEO? Because I think they all basically do the same thing. That okay. in my mind, 2021, it's permission to play. But I think the root of the issue in my mind, based on your question is, is SEO a conducive strategy for us or for me. And SEO in my mind is like running a marathon. Yeah. SEO takes a lot of time. It can cost a lot of money. Agencies get rich offering SEO services. I rarely see it actually pan out. We rarely recommend it. If and when we do, we have a partner who like we don't believe in it. So we don't necessarily do that any longer because we there were many years where like, this is no longer working. This is no longer working. At what point in time are we going to take this off our offering list? Because it doesn't pan out. And the last thing we want to do is have a client invest money with us. We do all the work and then you're left with an empty bag. Like that's just not, we're very sensitive to that. Right. We also guarantee everything that we do. So SEO became so risky for us and for our clients that we said, you know what, we're just going to, find a partner who we believe is honest and charges a decent fee that that's manageable. And so, but, but I look at SEO as running a marathon. So here's, what's unfortunate. Let's say a business like yours, you, you build a website. We typically, our clients are out the door with a brand new website that's hassle-free and performs really well in two to four weeks. Like there's no reason websites should take six months anymore. Right. Unless you're doing WordPress and then all this e-commerce, right? Those yeah, yeah. Or e-commerce, of course. But I mean, in the B2B founder space, I would imagine most times you're talking about generating leads, scheduling appointments, booking calls, things of that nature, right? So there's no reason those types of websites should take six months. If you're doing WordPress, there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of custom coding that's going to break later that's where it gets complicated because it's just this constant upkeep that goes on forever, which is why we like Squarespace because they plan on that. They're hosting millions of websites. They're a publicly traded company now, so they've got investors to answer for. They're very reliable. What happens with SEO, Brett, is you invest money in a website, time and money. Your website's done. You're really excited about it. Then the SEO, then you kick in an SEO campaign. Well, we can't control Google. And anyone that tells you Google's recipe, like, oh, I know how Google ranks websites. I know what they're looking for. We can optimize it so Google loves you. Well, they're lying to your face because Google's algorithm is like the KFC recipe. None of us actually know. I mean, if we're being honest, right. nobody's actually seen it. So let's say you invest in SEO and the company who does this is going to tell you this could take three months. This could take six months. This could take nine months. This could take 12 months. SEO is a long-term strategy. That's why I say it's like a marathon. So what's unfortunate, and we've seen this, you invest money in the website, you're all excited to get out the door. Well, without data, we can't understand if the website works or not. Right. We need to know how many people came to the website and how many people did the action you wanted them to do. Maybe it's book a call, maybe it's download your 
10 costly mistakes PDF or white paper. Maybe it's registered for a webinar. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, without data, we can't make educated, informed decisions to make improvements. So you do this website, you launch it. Six, nine, 12 months later down the road, your SEO is actually working. If you're lucky, it's actually working. And you're bringing in a ton of people from the search engines. That's also assuming that you believe the best place to attract people is from Google search. But we're just making that assumption. Right. So if all those things are true, 12 months down the road, you're getting, you're finally getting the data you need after most likely spending tens of thousands of dollars. And what you might realize is that, oh, the website isn't as effective as we thought. The website needs some edits. The website needs some updates because this is too expensive. We can't continue down this path because our website doesn't work. So that's going to, that takes tens of thousands of dollars. And I think more importantly, a year's worth of wasted time. What I would much rather see is people investing in paid advertising. If you're a company that believes that Google is the place for you to get found, why not invest in Google ads and get the data you're looking for in one day or in one hour for a small cost? You know, pay 25 cents a click, $2.50 a click, whatever it is, get 100 data points in an afternoon and have that valuable data that you need to make in order to have educated, informed decisions on what you need to do to your website to make it better, get it in a day or two or a week. Or maybe you're a company that believes that Facebook is where you, you know, where your ideal clients are hanging out. Yeah. Great. Run some faith. Maybe it's LinkedIn. It's going to cost you a little more. LinkedIn ads are a little more expensive in general. But go to LinkedIn and within a day or two or a week, spend a few hundred dollars, get that data. What I don't like, Brett, is I see so many companies invest tens of thousands of dollars in SEO. And three, six, nine, 12 months down the road, best case scenario, it's working. And oh, guess what? Google makes a change to their algorithm. So now all that groundwork you've laid down and all that time and money you've invested, it goes away. It goes out the door because someone at Google edited their algorithm and now they look at other things. Yeah. So SEO, yeah, you, you just need to be very certain that SEO is the right play. You need to be certain that people coming in blind off the search engines is the right play. Like we, we, we like the 80-20 rule and we'd even say it's 90-10. Let's look in your past and let's see where your best clients are coming from and let's pour gasoline on that fire versus just you know roll the dice over here on this brand new thing called SEO and hope that people from Google are the right fit. So as long as you're certain that Google is the best place to get found for cold visitors, cold audiences who have never heard of you before. I mean, if that's the case, your website better be really dialed in and really sticky and really clarified messaging and something on there that these people really want so you can capture their information. Yeah. It's, it's risky. It's interesting. I think some folks would debate you on the value or the... The, the the SEO strategy and and maybe like I look at it again. You and I talk. Maybe we, the reason we get along is we like to keep things simple, right? And the way I look at it with SEO or content is don't do it to to game the algorithm, right? Or because you think that's what right. the keyword is. It's really about if you can put value added content on your site that's helping your customers solve their problems or tell stories of how this these problems have been solved provide the free tools you know that's one thing i've learned over time is give it much of it as a way as you can because people are still going to come back and find you and ask for that help the diyers are always going to be diy but so i think yeah that's the rule i'm trying to follow is if i'm going to put content out there it's helping my customers solve a problem or share some insights. And I agree with you not to try to figure out what the, the algorithm is. So you rank higher because I think over time, you're right. If you start to, again, focus on that customer problem and they're going to start to find you. I agree with you. And I love what you're saying. And if there's an agency out there that would argue what I'm referring to, I would challenge them to show me their results. Because I've worked with so many clients who have 250 blog posts that they've worked tirelessly on over the past five years. And you look into their analytics and those posts are bringing in zero traffic. Nobody. They're not getting found. So there's a right way and a wrong way yeah, to do the yeah, content yeah. publishing. But, but here's where my argument lies. 
SEO is almost like a complementary benefit to publishing content. I would much rather see a business owner, you know, again, depending on where it all depends, this is all dependent upon where they find their, you know, where are the ponds of stocked fish for your business? Right. So let's say that I'm a business owner and I want to get into blogging. And let's say that my pond is LinkedIn and readers of Forbes.com and Inc and Entrepreneur and all these, you know, that's where my clients are. What I would recommend and encourage them to do is to draft, like you said, I love that, content that's highly valuable. They're giving away perspective. I mean, most clients hire us for perspective if we have a service-based business, right? Right, right. Uh, but give everything you can away add as much value as you possibly can but your tier one publication channels should be forbes.com go become a contributor where a million eyeballs are every month go publish on your linkedin portfolio right go go publish on linkedin go pub go, go become a contributor for inc and entrepreneur or whatever your industry trade publications are right go, go do that it's called contributing go do that where there's already a lot of eyeballs because where most likely there aren't a lot of eyeballs is on your little website. <laughs> you know, maybe there's no, a couple hundred, right. couple thousand. But use SEO as like a complementary strategy. Because if you're going to take the time to do all that content, and, and that also presupposes, Brett, that writing is your strong suit. Right. Could do podcast. Could do podcast. I mean, most videos. of our clients, they like to talk. So we record our discovery call. You know, we, we get everything from what they say to us. We don't send them a 10-page questionnaire and expect them to type it out. That's going right. to frustrate Makes them. Sense. So it depends on like, what's your modality of, of, what's your preference for communication? And if it's writing, great. But maximize your output and maximize the impact of your output by finding those areas where your fish are already swarming. Right. right. And, and, and then you have the content. So great. Now take it back and put it on your little blog in the hope that over time, your SEO will improve. And over time, people searching for these specific keywords will find your article. But I just, I see people leading with that. And I see people's expectations set as we're going to start writing once a week on our blog. And we're going to get all this, all these visitors to our website. And then they do that. And then their blog page has nothing but this 1500 word article with no calls to action in it <laughs> right. you know, with no action. So, you know, you're reading all through it and there's no sub headlines or anything for people to skim it and, and find what they need. And so there, again, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. If you're going to invest the time to write, find the publications that will have you on their site, their platform. If you're a talker, find the podcast. You know? Yeah. Find the podcast, like B2B founder, get on these podcasts and then also grab a transcription of that conversation and then take it over here, transcribe it and publish that post on Forbes or on LinkedIn or on your blog. You know, like there's, we all have different, what I would call content consumption preferences, right? Sure. It's a mouthful, yeah. but a lot of us listen to podcasts. A lot of us read articles. A lot of us watch YouTube. You know, you can, once you have the content made, you can take it and spread it into all these different modalities, right? Yeah, with, without a doubt. And I know we're running low on time, but I can't, I, I want to circle back to what you talked about with some of the paid. And I think the misconception or the things you used to be able to get away with, with paid was trans, highly transactional, right? Buy now type of thing. But where I, at least I've seen some success and I'd love to get your perspective is if you're doing this outreach, paid outreach to folks that probably don't know you, it's better to introduce yourself or provide some of that value add for that introduction to start getting, you know, folks to come visit your white blood site or get to know you to spend the time. So, so when you say paid ads, are you going straight to, hey, buy now or are your paid ads more of, hey, how do I connect and show and introduce myself or my company to you and how we solve problems and make, you know, we can be the guide to your hero back to the, yeah. the original, uh, right? Is great, that fair? Yeah, it's such a great question, Brett. I mean, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> so if you can imagine this, and I'd, rec I'd encourage anyone listening to it to just write this, you know, jot this down, but like, our process has three boxes or three phases, and we almost look at them as rites of passage. So in the first phase or first box, you have a word called positioning. 
you know, how strong are you positioned in the marketplace? And that has everything to do with your messaging strategy and has everything to do with your website itself. So how well is your company positioned in the marketplace? Once you can check that box and say, we're an eight, nine, 10 out of 10 there, we're confident in our positioning. The next box is called performance. So that's all about how well are we performing in the marketplace? So is our website performing well? Are we generating leads? both on the level of booking calls, but also on the level of they're downloading a guide, they're downloading a checklist, they're registering for a webinar, you know, whatever it is that you're giving away for free to educate and inform and empower your audience. How well are we performing digitally? That third box, and again, it's almost like a rite of passage, you have to earn it, is promotion. So where and how well are we promoting our company online. So you've got, you know, first checkbox, first gate you need to make it through is positioning. Second one, performance. Now you've built a strong foundation and a very effective house. Now you can start inviting the company over for dinner party through promotions. So to answer your question, nine times out of 10, what we would recommend doing is promoting whatever it is you're offering on your website. We're not, we're not promoting book a call. We're not promoting schedule an appointment. We're not promoting do business with us right up front. If you're an e-commerce business, of course, you're promoting your products. Right. $9, free shipping. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about B2B, zero to 10 million service-based companies at times, some products, sure, but probably more expensive transactions than a $9 widget is my assumption. So as long as that's fair, you're promoting the offer you have the 10 costly mistakes business owners make as it pertains to selling their companies or you know five reasons you're completely screwing up your hiring process or three reasons your people are turning over every 90 days you know you're promoting some sort of a uh, what would you call a lead generator for lack yeah, of a better piece or some yeah right. some empowering piece of education that's going to inform your audience on your website so you're you're promoting that so you're paying 25 cents, dollar, 250, five bucks on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is a little more expensive, but you're promoting that piece of content to relevant audiences. So once that's done and, and when people opt in or they download that or they register for a webinar, whatever it might be that you're offering based on who your clients are, you're now getting into the automation space, right? Now you're following up with some emails, basically repeating the same content you repeated in the PDF of the webinar. You know, all marketing and sales is a, 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 um, an exercise of repetition. Right. So you really want to make sure that you're, you know, really repeating some of those big points you want them to remember. And then at the end of the rainbow, two, four, six weeks later, whatever makes the most sense, you're inviting them to book that call. So it's kind of like a, hey, let's go on a few first dates or let's yeah. go on a first date, second date, third date before I'm going to ask you to marry me sort of a strategy. And what's nice is for your visitors, it doesn't, involve them giving you their credit card information, social security number and date of birth, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah. name and email. You start, you start high level with the least amount of friction. So that's, what's nice. And, and if you really want to get advanced, what we see working for a lot of clients is let's say you pay for a hundred people to come on your site and to look at that guide that you've, you know, built. And let's say that 90 out of hundred, Brett, don't opt in for the guide. So you've paid for a hundred people to come. Only 10 people downloaded it and got into your contact database and entered your automation communication thing, right? So you have a 10% conversion rate. But there's 90 people who you paid for and you didn't collect their contact information. Well, what your website did do is store a cookie on their machine. What we want to do with those people who didn't take the action we wanted is we want to retarget them. Right. So now we have a pool, whether it's on Google or Facebook. I mean, most ad campaigns will do this for you. We have a a retargeting audience in place that we are now going to reposition that offer to. We're also going to probably position our book a call, schedule a call, you know, the end of the rainbow, so to speak. We want to probably position both of those things. One is a reminder that, hey, this is still here for you. We noticed you didn't download it or we noticed you didn't register for our upcoming webinar. You know, there's still spots left sort of a thing. But the other one is probably going to be schedule a call and let us solve your pain. Yeah, you know, you again, you have this. You want those 10 people, right? I mean, I think you that want goes- the 10 people, but we're trying to maximize your investment 
by retargeting those 90 people that didn't do what we wanted them to do. Right. Or at least keep them longer tail, right? So when they are ready, you, they're now aware of you, they know where to find you. You just gentle reminder that, hey, we're here when you're ready to Bingo. get into this problem. Our philosophy is you shouldn't even be playing that game if your positioning is in a hundred, a 10 out of 10, and if your performance is in a a 10 out of 10. Like you have to earn the right to play that game because once you're confident in your website's ability to perform, it's a mathematical certainty that you're going to get what you want out of your promotional activities. And all we care about is return on investment, right? As business owners, entrepreneurs, like what's my ROI here? Right. So when you have a strong foundation with the right clear messaging that really resonates with your audience and you're, you're, you're doing it through empathy. You're putting them first. They know that your, your only agenda is to help them achieve theirs. I mean, when you get to that point in your website, you will be converting leads. Right. And so, you know, maybe one to 3% of your visitors are booking a call and then another four to 10% of those visitors are actually downloading your guide, registering for your webinar. So now you got a healthy conversion rate going on. Now it's a matter of, well, let's put some gas on here. You know, let, let's add some more traffic into the top of this funnel that we built and let's, you know, let's go, let's generate leads, let's scale. Yeah. So that's very exciting when you can get there, but you have to lay the right pieces in the right order to do it. So if you take care of your positioning, if you're confident in your performance, it's a matter of time before you flip the switch on your promotion and you can actually start seeing results. And again, most importantly, a return on that investment. Yeah, no, it make, makes perfect sense. And a couple, couple quick follow-ups on that because I know we're really short on time. I really like the, the analogy and I took some liberties with it. It's right, you're designing the house, which is your positioning and differentiation, right? You're building the house to make sure it's performing, right? That you're doing it. And you wouldn't invite the guests to see the blueprint or the, <laughs> the construction. You're going to invite them when it's done and you know it's ready. So really like that that and i mean it's i'll give you full full credit for it but i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow that i like i like i, I think you just came up with that but you're absolutely right so look at the website as curb appeal right we want to bring this people these let's say we're selling our house the website itself that's curb appeal like you don't want to give people they're looking for what's wrong think about the buying journey the customer journey yeah we're programmed to find what's wrong in our environment first of all just human nature Second of all is we're always skeptical. You know, this is going to cost too much. I don't know if I have time for this. You know, we're going in there with a half stack deck. Yeah. So the website is curb appeal because just like when you're selling a house, when people pull up and they're walking in, you don't want to give them any doubt. You don't want to give them any excuse to start doubting the quality of this house. Right. So we haven't website, finished the basement yet or the kitchen is missing right. appliances. Right. Yeah. Right. Or the flowers are hanging out of their flower pot and they're dead. And all of a sudden, oh, they must not care for their house. Just because a flower is dead, we're going to assume that the HVAC hasn't been maintained. You know what I mean? We're, we're, yeah. Yeah. Like we're going 100%. Nature. Yep. We worry and our brains spiral out. So websites curve appeal. As far as performance, that lead generator, that to me is like getting cooking and preparing the meal and setting the table, we want to make sure that this house is comfortable for the company coming over. Right. And then promoting is, you know, actually sending out the dinner invitations and collecting the RSVPs and making the night a magical evening. Yeah. Right. That, that's all the promotion is getting the people into the house. So what's insane to me, Brett, is so many companies, because I think there's so much opportunity and sizzle and excitement, we don't even think about the house. We don't even think about the preparation. We don't even think about the curb appeal. We just pay the hot dog man on the corner to wave his arrow saying, come on in when the cash register doesn't even work yet. Right. No, so like it's we, so true. Yeah. We're excited to just like bring more traffic to our website and market, market, market and advertise, advertise, advertise when we're actually not ready. And it's like inviting a bunch of people over for dinner. They come and they're like, well, you, we, we've all been there where we go over to dinner at like 5.30 and we've got kids and they're like, oh yeah, so dinner will be ready around 7.30. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. My kids go to bed at 7.30. Just be like, patient. Yeah, I'm right, hungry. Right. It's 5.30. When are we going to eat? You know, I don't want drinks. I want, I want food. Yeah, um, no. So we I'm with we pay Facebook, we pay LinkedIn, we pay Google, we pay these agencies and we're not even set up for it yet. And then we wonder why the whole thing went wrong. We blew five, $10,000, $25,000 on a marketing campaign. All these people came to our, all these eyeballs came to our site. And as quick as they came, they left. Yeah. 
and you lost that chance, right? Usually you got only one, one chance. And if you got time for one more question, I, I want to dig into that, that prospect and get your perspective. So the way I've been thinking about it lately, again, growing up in the B2B space, right? You had the marketing automation database, you had the CRM, and then you had the ERP, which is the customer master. The way I've been kind of positioning or thinking about it lately is when there's one database, one database, and there's only two types of leads, right? There's somebody that's you're targeting that can buy from you at some point in the future, right? It, it's your, your customer ideal profile that can buy at some point. And then there's the person, that same person that's now in buy now mode, right? For whatever reason, the pain point reached a certain threshold. They're ready. You know, what industry will tell you that's, you know, 3% at any given time of your, your ideal buyers are in buy now mode. That's it, man. Everything else is noise. And if you can, to your point, start to promote and send more people into that pool of, hey, these are my ideal customers and we're going to keep hitting them until they are ready. And it makes it much easier to flow through the system versus, I mean, some people still have two or three databases. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm, over, I'm probably oversimplifying it, but I think that conceptually, Am I, am I on the right path with this or is there more complexity to it that I'm missing? No, I mean, because I'm, I'm a less is more person and, and I'm built to keep it simple, even though sometimes my instinct is to make it complicated. You know, that's something I work on. It's a uh, discipline yeah. that I practice. But no, I think you're spot on. I think five, 10 years ago, it was really, it was kind of the, the thing to do to grab all these things and integrate all them. And like, well, now what we see is like, well, shit, integration breaks down. Yeah. Like what happens right. when we are generating, you know, a hundred leads a week and these integrations are breaking down? Well, this is a lot of maintenance and upkeep and what happened and where did the contact go? And so, no, I think you're right. I think simplifying all the technology is very appealing to, to a lot of people, including myself. And um, I think we tend to, like when, when I was listening to you, what came to mind recently was we're working with a client and we don't use project management software. Most of our clients use their email. Like they don't think about it. Right. So we, we used to use a project management software many years ago. And then what we started appreciating was that, wow, we're asking our client to register for yet another account on some yeah. site to manage another login username, another password to learn a whole, like, this is very inconvenient to them. And we're actually adding friction to our, to, to our process. And we're adding friction to their experience of working with us. I have a client who wants to use it, you know, well, we want you in our project management software. We want you in our Google Docs account. So like, rather than just attaching a PDF and sending it to me, now, you know, we're, we're logging in to a project management system we're unfamiliar with, and we're having to, you know, go to a Google Docs account that isn't ours and hunt and peck and find. I think we've all been programmed to use as much technology as possible because, again, we all believe without challenging it that technology makes things easier. Automation makes things automated. Well, it's like, yeah, it can be, but you still need to put the stuff in there. <laughs> right. Or if you're automating a bad process, it's still a bad process. It's still right? a bad process. So, it, you know, there's no silver bullet or magic bullet for the, like, you still have to get your hands dirty and do the work. You still have to build the process and challenge right. the process. You're absolutely right. You put automation in it. Now, now you're treating a symptom. You think automation is, it's not. The process is broken. Right. You know, you it's 12 steps. faster now. <laughs> and it should be four. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, it's really interesting what you said. And you, we, we kind of went through this ourselves. So we found, and I won't mention what it is, but we found a, a really neat alternative to DocuSign. And it also does proposals. So we're like, this is so cool. We can see when people are viewing the proposals. We can see, you know, see when they sign it. You can take payments right here. And what I realized was like the proposal process for us went from about 10 minutes to about an hour and a half because of all this cool technology. Uh, we're interesting. Yeah. And it's like, this is crazy. Like it, that's all cool and sounds great, but what is that doing to, again, providing a frictionless experience for our clients? It actually causes a lot of bottlenecks and there's a lot of problems with that. And frankly, it takes us longer to use. And this is just a small little checklist step in the overall sales process. Right. And it's going to cost us money. 
right? So <laughs> adding like, friction and costing money. Yeah. The double so like some, what I what I love, Brett, is when you go out and you look for those new solutions to make things better, and then you come back after doing your due diligence, you realize, wow, what we're doing right now is really good. It kind of validates at times. It will validate what you're already doing, and then you might even see some blind spots in what you're already doing, thanks to the journey you took. Yep. And you come back and go, you know what? We're going to stay put. However, there's a few little levers we can pull to really dial, crank this down, dial it in. And make it even better than it was before. Yeah. But I'm going, I'm sitting up here as the business owner going, well, wait a minute, this is a good recommendation. But now we're asking the business owner to go to this third party site. We're asking them to do all these, jump through these loops and hoops and do all this stuff. And yeah, while we have visibility into it, what does that do? For, like, are we going to actually, is that actionable data? It really isn't. Is it improving anything? Right. Yeah. Improving the experience? Probably not. Yeah. Whereas before we're just attaching a PDF and it's like, why are we questioning that, that? That never caused a complaint. That that never right. didn't work. And frankly, it's what I'm used to. And I think a lot of our clients are used to just, here's email and let me open the PDF in the email versus ask them to open their internet browser, click the link, go off. Now they're on a foreign site. And so I think it's important when we look into new software, back to your initial point, to make sure that it, it's actually adding value for us as a company, but it's also adding value, of course, for our clients. Yep. And, and is it actually going to cause more heartburn than, than good, right? Yeah. Now, I think it's a, that's a great way to close this, this episode is, hey, if you start with the customer, you can't go wrong, right? Think experience and work backwards. This is not your process. It's their process. And how would Love you it. do it differently if, if that? So, well, Sean, thank you very much for the time. We'll have to have you back absolutely for a part two on this because I think I only got to about half of what I wanted to cover with you, but I know we, we covered quite a bit quite a bit today. But I am going to ask you, what is the closing question? What is one thing that you would highly recommend? It could be professional, personal, you know, what's kind of top of mind for you right now? Let's see. Uh, well, professionally, we'll, we'll touch upon that. I recently invested in Strategic Coach, which I'm very excited about. I've been investigating that for many, many years, bought a book called Unique Ability, and it comes with a workbook. And what's awesome about it, Brett, is as a business owner, I can get tied down by a lot of the different moving parts of the business. And it's usually my fault. Yeah. Um, right. Usually I shouldn't be involved with certain things, but I just feel like I need to be at times. So what's cool about this unique ability, I'll call it a program. I mean, it's really more than a book, but it helps you identify what you're great at and what you love to do. You know, what's your sweet spot, so to speak. And it takes inventory of all your existing activities throughout your week, both professionally and personally. And then what it does is it helps you carve out a game plan like over the next year to start really delegating and elevating to those unique abilities that we each and you know each and every one of us has. And what's nice is when you're operating in your unique ability, that's a Dan Sullivan strategic coach term, of course. But when you're operating in your unique ability, you know, that's like a flow state. Time stands still, you love your work, uh, or time flies. Time can also fly, right? But it, it really was a wake up call for me because I'm spending probably half of my week involved with activities that are probably hindering and suffocating our own growth yeah. um, more than helping it. And I think we as entrepreneurs, as business owners, like we all need that check in with ourselves at times. Uh, so I'm kind of just on, I'm about in the red zone now to finishing that program. But over the last few months, as I look at my 2022, as it pertains to my company, that's a really big wake up call for me. And it really helps me lay some groundwork to say, okay, you know, what's the plan where I can, you know, elevate to where I belong in this company and stop, you know, hindering so many of the processes uh, in, in the. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I'm always looking for any way to, to help. And we'll obviously link to it in the, in the show notes as well. So lastly, Sean, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, thanks. It's just our website, SavvyProWeb.com, S-A-V-V-Y-P-R-O-W-E-B.com. And uh, you can obviously go there, see what we're all about. You can kind of see our own process and we, you know, we practice what we preach. So you can look at our own messaging strategy. And if that's something that relates to you, you, know, you can certainly book a call. We'd love to help you out and provide you with that. I think that unbiased guidance, right? That we're all looking for when it comes to digital and uh, 
especially digital marketing websites, et cetera. Awesome. Like I said, we'll link that in the show notes as well. So people didn't have to write that down if they didn't, and we'll make it super easy for them to find you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Brett, for this opportunity. It's always awesome to be on the podcast and congratulations, 122 episodes, my friend. Wow. And thank you. It's been a labor of love. Now it's, I really enjoy it. I mean, I, I tell people that, you know, and again, I probably could do a better job promoting and, and all of it, but just the, uh, to your point on learning, man, just the, the experience in getting to talk to folks like you, you know, I had a call last night with somebody in Australia that's doing some really interesting thing. Never in my dreams would have I been able to connect with them or have a, you know, an hour long conversation about exactly what we're doing. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's keeping me young, but I appreciate the, uh, the comments and. I commend you on your follow through. I don't think I would have been able to get to episode four. Yeah. Well, <laughs> honestly, the hardest one was hitting record on the first one and then it just keeps going. So, and again, I, I get to talk to folks like you and we keep learning and, you know, that I appreciate your time, Sean. This probably could have been a Joe Rogan-esque episode where we could have gone three hours. So we'll we'll bite this into we'll we'll carry on the conversation, you know, the next time we get together here in the near future. I look forward to it. Thanks, Brett. Have a great rest of your day.